No, he didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. And welcome back to the Locked On iRacing podcast. I am not Peter Wilco Wilkinson. I am Braden Martin. We've uh, decided to put Wilco out into the paddock like a good racehorse, give him a give him a spell for a little bit of time and let him uh, try his hand at some broadcasting, which I'm actually looking at at the moment, which is looking great over on Locked On Lads' uh, Twitch channel. He's uh, broadcasting the Anscar Thunder series, so... You won't be able to pop over and say hello to him uh, while you're listening to this. But next time they are live, definitely go over and check that out. I am joined tonight. I'm feeling a little bit like I'm back in the skippy on a Thursday night. I'm in a top split sandwich uh, once again. Uh, Alex, welcome back. Alex McKellar, that is. <laughs> yeah, not the other Alex. That comes later. Although these days I'm feeling more like the other Alex, depending on which series we're in or most of them, to be honest. Yeah, mate, good to be back. Looking forward to having a chat. And AJ, join us again. Been busy as usual. Yeah, backing up this week and uh, a few races, which we'll we'll get to a little bit later on. Some quite lengthy ones with the Bathurst 12-hour just uh, being last weekend. So uh, looking forward to a, another chat. Yeah, so quickly before we get into that, we, I think we should start there because it is something both of you guys have been up to, which is, you know, a big, a big talking point. Anytime you uh, manage to finish an endurance race like the Bathurst 12-hour, it needs to be talked about. Uh, but just a quick shout out to one of the sponsors, Brewster.coffee. If you want to uh, go and rate your local coffee place and uh, give it a little bit of a five star or tell us where you get your favorite coffee, make sure you head over to Brewster.coffee to do that. I know there's some work in the background to make that maybe a little bit more accessible and easy for some people as well. So make sure you check them out. But let's start where you guys uh, or where Alex uh, just mentioned you guys did the Bathurst 12 hour how'd that go <laughs> who wants to start AJ, <laughs> Alex? yeah well, our Bathurst 12 hour campaign so we chucked a top split car in um, had Alex and myself and uh, John Skultz, uh doing the the 12 hours around Bathurst did the Australian friendly time which means it's also a little bit more friendly uh, in terms of the, the strength of the drivers in there, it's um, a little bit more chilled in the Australian time zone, could you say? Uh, so we made the top split and, um, and yeah, just, just sort of had a, had a crack. We didn't have too many expectations going in. We just really wanted to get to the end. That was the goal. Um, and, yeah, I'm glad to say that we did. And I think probably our most uh incidents free run that we've ever had around Bathurst there, there were certainly incidents in there but I was going to say um, you say that but <laughs> that's not to say it was without incident the, right the, I think the car was the straightest it's ever been at least seeing the state of the front end of our car that don't give people false hope things <laughs> still had some dings in it it well, did, it did. I was going to say, you say the most incident-free and you say, you know, you'd be happy to finish the race, which is good. But were you thinking that that was going to be the case after you attempted to get through lap one? Uh, yeah, lap, lap one. Well, we gave uh, John the, the hard job of starting the car. Um, sort of did it to himself because he, he was stuck having to um, to race early on in the, in the um, session because he had other commitments. Um, so yeah, so he got chucked in in the dark and it was funny actually, because he stint, he did the, the first stint in the dark and then he managed to get home just in time to finish the race and ended up finishing in the dark and pretty much all the practice sessions have been in the dark. So he hasn't seen daylight, um, <laughs> you know, in the whole week leading up to Bathurst. Um, 
So maybe it was a good thing we had him in there anyway. He was used to it, but he had the tough job and he did get caught up in a first lap dipper incident where I can't remember what position it was. It was in the top 10, wasn't it, Alex? I think fifth. Yeah. Um, So right up the front of the pack, someone um, got really squirrely going down through the S's and, you know, tried to save it about three times, but ended up sideways at the dipper and, you can just imagine what happened after that. There was a car that got ejected over the barrier down the mountain and um, and we unfortunately got a, a bit of damage and about two laps worth of repairs straight on lap one. So after yeah, that, it was, it was, it was a, about finishing. Yeah, absolutely. We were two laps down and then done a lap. And um, it was the most drawn out uh, nervous incident you've ever seen. The, the rear of his car just got loose just as it unweighted through un, over Skyline under the bridge. And he was trying and trying and trying. You can imagine P5 in a 50-car race. He's just stressed out of his mind. A, he's got his team's race on the line, but he's got 40-odd cars backed up behind him. And I tell you, he he ended up, you know, causing a big incident, but he was the one who got straightened up and drove away as well, <laughs> which, of course, made the rest of the people in the server absolutely spray him in chat. I feel bad for the guy. He just copped, you know, like it was... People were disappointed and all the rest of it. It didn't go too far, but it came pretty close. Um, but, yeah, but the rest of it, mate, it was, it was pretty good. Um, we had the trials and tribulations of Bathurst. We fought our way back through. We had a bit, couple more repairs in the day. Um, but then, you know, ended up in the top 10, largely through attrition and, and, and our own perseverance. Really pleased to see uh, the Speedy Snails, uh, led by Sam Devante, the cowboy, they were in a similar boat to us lap one. They had a little bit more luck, but they also made their own luck as well. They had a bit more pace than us, and they ended up finishing uh, in the top five. I think they finished fifth in the end, uh, which was a fantastic drive, and they had solid pace throughout. So, um, look, our little microcosm of the Bathurst 12-hour was a really good experience, and, of course, I was, as I was saying before, mate, we get out of that and straight away, oh, when's the next endurance? When can we sign up? And, do you know, like whether or not that enthusiasm will taper a bit is yet to be seen, but certainly a lot of fun. It's. Um, I was watching Sam stream for bits and pieces throughout the day while doing some work, and it was funny uh, watching towards the end of the stream when all of a sudden he realized that the team he was battling for position for the top five was the same team he was battling for for seventh or something at the end of last year's race that they caught on the um, the last lap. So it was uh, interesting to see how you know two Bathursts apart, twelve hours in, you're fighting with the same guys that you're fighting the year before. I just thought that was really interesting to see. Yeah, really crazy coincidence, really. The funny thing last year was old mate in front of him, that they, and it was a really tooth and nail battle last year. They were really tight. The guy was aggressively defending, and Sam did it, and mate, look, I don't want to pump up his tyres any more than he, you know, he's done so himself in the last little bit, the 7K wonder. Um, but he he played that really, really well last year. It was so tight, and the guy was defending so hard, and eventually he just went past him on the last lap. But the backstory to that was old mate was streaming on Twitch and we all kind of went in his chat and he had the voice to text to voice thing going and we, he might have got a little upset at us so we stopped. <laughs> but um, to see them, as you say, 12 months apart in the final stages of the race coming together like that in the same fashion, I don't know if they were carrying damage or what, but they were, weren't anywhere near as quick this season and he just drove past him. We ended up driving past him even though we were a couple of laps down. Um uh, so look, it was it was an it was an interesting little quirk of fate, if not uh, an eventful one. 
Well, I must say that your Bathurst 12-hour went better than our Bathurst 12-hour that we did last year when, um, I mean, you guys at least made it to the dipper on lap one. We didn't make it past the start-finish line before we had been in an incident and got turned around. So so you made it half a lap further than us before you managed to get an incident, so that's commendable. Yeah, um, a few of those this week, I think, uh, yeah. judging by some of the footage I've seen. Yeah, so... Uh, very good. Um, I know, AJ, you've been trying your hand in the AOG uh, series as well. How'd that go? Did you race last night, was it? Yeah, last night for AOG. So um, another good race in, in the bag. Um, I had finally my teammate join me for the second round. Um, three drop rounds over 20 rounds. So um, still still looking good. But uh, yeah, I had Ben Snell, my teammate, join me. He had a good night. Um I had a relatively good night. Um, I didn't get a whole lot of practice in, but sort of started to come to grips with the car towards the end of the the night. And um, and yeah, interesting race. Sitting P9, I think it was, in the second race, um, which was really good. Um, but I was ended up being a lap short on fuel, um, trying to save a little bit. We had a safety car. So usually the second race in, a, in the sprint format, we would have to pit if it was green um, from start to finish. But, you know, safety car sort of throws a spanner in the works. And the problem for me was um, the fuel calculator I use, Sodi, it can detect if it's a yellow, if it's an iRacing yellow, and then it disregards those laps for your fuel calculations. But because it's a manual safety car in AOG, it was thinking that I was doing a very slow race pace <laughs> and it takes five laps to average your fuel use. So I had to wait five laps after the safety car just to get a, a realistic figure. Um, and, you know, it's telling me, no, you're fine on fuel. And I'm saying, oh, what's my average? 2.7. Yeah, no, that doesn't sound right. Um, but by the time I, it gave me a good number, it was sort of getting too late to really um, aggressively fuel save. So, Ended up having to do a splash and dash with a lap to go, which was a bit um, disappointing, but still finished 16th. So so that was quite good in a, in a strong and exciting field. And the racing, um, you know, having seven or 8,000 um, I-rated drivers in there, you know, the, there was one throwing it up the inside of, of me on one corner. I'm like, I don't even understand how he's braking that late. You know, I, I'm just, you know, driving Miss Daisy trying to be cautious and not hit anyone and, and people chucking it up the inside. It's, um, it's really good, really exciting racing. Mate, you say that, uh, sorry to interrupt, you say that Ben had a good night. Ben bought the car on the day and then won the Pro-Am split, like, in the midst of all that. I mean, please. Of you course know, he and, did. Yeah, and he's rocked <laughs> up and had an interview on the, at Sim Speed afterwards. Like, oh, hey, oh, I've just bought the car and I'm on the race. How good's this? And, you know, like, <laughs> just incredible stuff. And he's like, oh, I like this car. Yeah, no kidding, champ. <laughs> I was going to say, it's interesting to hear you say it was nice for your teammate to show up because I know poor old Alex is still waiting for his teammates to show back up on Monday nights as well. So <laughs> I did have to have a laugh at that. That that is true. That is very true. Yeah, after talking me into raising the TCRs, every bugger buggered off. So. <laughs> so, Alex, you did uh did persevere with TCRs on Monday night. What else have you been up to? Oh yeah, look, TCRs were uh, you know my usual P14 in race two. Uh, like I, I'm thinking, whenever I drive that car now, I'm just going to change my number to 14. <laughs> Um, so then we had the other Aussie car event, of course, in the skips. We were at uh, Motegi, had a great race with Cameron in uh, in race one, uh, Cameron Dance, and um, 
was really great. It was another one of those classic side-by-side battles to the line, and, and it wasn't Ben Snell, so actually won one, which was fantastic. Uh, and then, uh, of course, race two comes around, starts from pole, uh, stays out to do the, the overcut. I'm coming out two seconds in front. Oh, he sped on pit exit. Yeah, great. Go to the back of the field, champ. Yeah, so that was interesting. But what it does set us up for is uh, the final round at Nordschleife this week. Um, there's one point between Skoltsy and myself and uh, like a handful, not many, between uh, us and um, and Cameron. So it's a really all or nothing kind of kind of race uh, this week, which will, you know, really exciting to have that end of the season, but also at a track like the Nordschleife. So, yeah, look, it should be a really good one. Yeah, it's interesting heading to such a place where normally – you're really focusing on your race versus the track and, and trying to survive and make sure you get through. But, you know, to have that battle in it as well and with the draft of the skippy, possibly be able to keep people pretty close. It might be very, very, uh, may, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what do you try and make a move much earlier than the final final lap to, to, to try and be able to break away? Do you try and position yourself for the long straight and hope you get the run that you want? Could be some mind games being played throughout that one. Well, yeah, I mean, it all depends, doesn't it? You're racing the track for most of the lap and then you've got the, I don't know, the, the runway of a straight that approaches the uh, the, the final sector uh, and that's where your, your race craft comes into it more so than anything else, right? Because, like, I've done a few laps at Nords this week and I feel for the first time in a long time I felt like, oh, you know, I'm not feeling like I'm going to die every corner, which is a really good start um but then you know you throw on the pressure of trying to win the, the championship and i know that if scolzi beats me he beats me in the championship full stop done mm. right because there's one point there's no bonus points nothing nothing's going to stop that and then cameron i think uh one spot but i can have one spot in between him if we're in the top five so if he finishes first and i finish third i think i still win but if scolzi's finished the second it's all over right so <laughs> it's really uh you know, you got to you got to try and push that out of your mind and just race the track for nine tenths of the lap, and then race each other for the final final sector. Interesting. Will you be making an appearance at the Nordschleife, AJ? Yeah, I will. I'm excited to try the track out and um, turn the driving line on, and I'm, <laughs> I want to have uh, you know Alex or Ben just in front of me saying, "Okay, this is the third gear corner break here," because that's probably what sort of night it's going to be. Mate, I don't need you to drag me around to get pole. I need the point. <laughs> Come on. I remember. Yeah, I, don't, I don't see that happening uh, by tomorrow night. <laughs> I remember trying to learn the track uh, when it was in the Aussie Car Series the first time. And um, Nathan and I were sat in a, a Discord call, and he's been to the track in real life and had driven the track in real life on a, you know, you know, wasn't in a race car or anything like that, just, you know, a car that he got to drive around and have a go on. And um, he was telling me, you know, the, the instructor when he was there telling you about this is how you take this corner and I reckon it was just two hours of me having a mental breakdown in this Discord call trying to figure it out. And But once you finally get the track and you string together a lap, it's one of the best feelings on the service being able to, being able to do it. It's just, it's so treacherous, but so fun. You have to be so committed to be good at it. Um, but just knowing that one little mistake and it's it's all over it's it's a it's a definitely a beast of a place 
Yeah, yeah I and think... that, that, that I was just going to say that's the difference for me because I'm not virgin to the track. I've I've seen it in uh, Gran Turismo or Forza or one of those games, but um, the big difference being that you make a mistake and bounce off the wall and keep going. The skip, it's um, you know the, I see the times that the the fast guys are doing, and to to be on the edge around there for for a full lap is going to be something. Well, look, I think the Bathurst race we did last week was probably the best prep we could have done for it, to be honest, because the level of concentration required, the walls and and the you know the effort that you put into making no mistakes, because any mistake and that's it. Has probably served us will probably serve us in really good stead but when you say the fast guys the fast guys haven't rocked up yet oh, like i did a, an 806 or something uh when the officials were last there and people like hawkland and and um uh, ben were spent the whole week trying to outdo each other in in, <laughs> uh, in closed quality because the quality sessions at nords when the officials are there are separate because you can't run like it's a, an eight minute lap and the normal quality sessions of course for officials are eight minute so you're not going to do an outlap and but so they have them have them separately and so every hour they'd just be rocking up uh after the race and trying to do that single quality lap and they got down to i think 804s or 802s or something on a cold tire lap sort of thing so um in the old days they were sub eight minutes uh, on the old bills so i think now with draft yeah it'll be probably 804 ish potentially it'll grab pole if depending on who it is um, but yeah, it's uh, looking forward to the challenge. If nothing else, should be fun. I remember when it was in officials. It must have been right when I first started driving the skiffy, and I was pretty fresh to eye racing, and I didn't even realize that there was a separate qualifying session. I'm joining the races, and I thought it was just random, <laughs> random grids. And I thought this is great. Like sometimes I'm first, sometimes I'm eighth. But I was like, this is pretty cool. It's kind of just like a random grid. And then I took me like you know three or four months down the track, and I've gone. Oh, I was starting where my eye rating was putting me. <laughs> gotcha. Now that makes more sense. <laughs> so it shows how well I was going. Uh, what have I been up to, I guess? Um, I've had a couple of weeks off from here because of uh, some dastardly internet uh, dramas last week. But a few things. Been trying my hand at the TCRs still. Have not had much success whatsoever in those, which has not been great. It's sort of a little bit disappointing, probably sort of was saying to Alex before, maybe thrown away the world's easiest podium in in the series over the last couple of weeks. Um, Indy, I did a little bit of practice for Indy, um, but not as much as I probably normally would, just being busy and things like that and didn't qualify too well, got spun early, which put me back in the pack and then uh, didn't have a great first race. Uh, and then second race, starting a bit further back, got a decent-ish start, and then self-spun myself a couple of times, then got taken out by my teammate. So that was always good. <laughs> it was really funny. We were on a call, and Tim's gone, oh, like, I think it might have been us, me, Tim, and Brady. And he's sort of gone, oh, no, like, what, what, Brady's hit me. I'm so sorry. I didn't, like, wasn't my fault. And then we got out after, and he said, he's like, oh, that was completely my fault. <laughs> he didn't realize that he missed the apex by about four car lengths, and and hit Paul Brady and Brady hit me and we both went around. So that didn't go so well. And then Red Bull ring last night, I'd done like three laps practice and, you know, I kind of thought, Oh, well, I've done enough races at Red Bull ring. It's not that hard. There's really like six corners to figure out. Um, but I was just off the pace off tracked one of my, um, one of my qualifying laps, which didn't help, uh, probably should have qualified sort of just inside the top five, but instead was back around 10th or something like that. Um, first race, uh, kind of like what you were saying, Alex and uh, AJ in the 
AOG series where I need to learn to be a bit more like aggressive in the sense of like holding my positions. Like, so too often on the first race uh, on Monday night, like I had Tim in front of me, so I didn't want to just send it up the inside of Tim and, you know, cost us both time and cost us a position, but I'm also getting attacked by people from behind who couldn't give a stuff whether they cost me and Tim time. And so, you know, all of a sudden I get, uh, you know, I move up the inside basically because I'm just choosing not to attack Tim. So it's that balance between, well, what do you do? Do you push through on your teammate and possibly risk, you know, stuffing his both over or you end up going backwards because you're happy to sit behind your teammate, but the person behind you is not happy to sit behind you. So yeah, ended up having that happen a couple of times and then, you know, got shuffled out wide. And then the teammate of one of the guys who did make one of the moves had spun and was coming back through the field and kind of tried to squeeze him a little bit to make sure that I stayed ahead and, you know, make him make a decision on whether he uh, was going to commit to trying to go, go through the skinny side, which just didn't end too well for me. And I'm not sure I didn't bother going into race control after because I just wasn't in the mood and I didn't care that much to be honest that uh, at that point, because it'd been a bad night, but I, I wouldn't have minded maybe talking about it a little bit more because it did seem like there might've been a little bit of left hand down action, which maybe contributed to some of the contact, but life goes on. That's racing. You get over it and you move on. Um, and like I said, you know, I was being a bit cheeky by putting my car there. I very easily could have just been, you know, three car lengths over on the left-hand side. So that's the risk you take when you do stuff like that. But it is always funny how it seems like when I'm in the opposite position, I seem to be too scared to, <laughs> to do anything <laughs> and I end up just uh, backing out of things like that. So <laughs> I resolved um, in the Formula Vs. That happened to me. Um, a guy put a move on to go to the inside at turn one uh, at Okayama. And I stayed over to the right-hand side, which means a narrow entry. And then he, for whatever reason, if he didn't look or he just thought I'd moved over, he just came across on me like to, to take a – obviously it wouldn't be the complete racing line because we'd still be side-by-side, side, but he'd assumed – side-by-side, sorry. But he'd assumed that I'd moved over, mm. right? And under the, the pretext of making your own luck, uh, from that point where, where I got – basically turned and put in the wall and that I was leading the championship at the time. Mm. Um, unusual for me given some of the people in there, but I was, you know, had a bit of luck till that point. Um, I resolved from that point that there was no benefit to me keeping someone on the inside. There was more risk in that than there was in, in opening up the corner and, and recognising that they're, they're going to have the inside to the – we're going to make ourselves slower on the exit because he's got such a narrow entry and all the rest of it. And I just didn't want to crash like that again, didn't want yeah. to have the risk of it. So that was that was something I walked away from uh, and took away from that yeah. experience. So. I remember I, I, cool, I was going to say, I remember I had two similar things happen at Road Atlanta coming into the chicane uh, – couple of times at the end and i kind of sort of decided to do the same sort of thing that you said the thing that kind of drew me into it was his teammate being in front and i was in his trying to keep his draft as he sort of came across and then i got really close and it was like well i'm here now <laughs> so i don't really want to get out of the draft so it was just one of those things i mean it's all contextual right yeah um and then, yeah, the other stuff I've been doing is the V8 supercars in the Sim Racing World Series uh, in the split two, which has been going much better than what the last two weeks of the TCRs has been going. Silverstone was pretty cool. Um, managed to get down to like a really, really good lap time at Silverstone. I put in a fair bit of practice uh, on the Friday night practice session and managed to really 
learned the track pretty well. And it was, I think it was because I found the track so difficult in the V8 when I first jumped in that I was um, kind of determined that I had to sort this out. Otherwise, there's going to be <laughs> shambles in the races. And it was um, a three race, three 20 minute sprint race night. Um, and I think my, you know, time that I put in in practice was only like three or four tenths off the top top split guy that was in there and was faster than I think uh, one of the boys was giving me crap because I was did a faster time than I think it's Bruce Tannock or I don't know, someone that's a New Zealand uh, drift champion. <laughs> so I was pretty, I was pretty stoked with that. Um, but yeah, put it on pole by about seven or eight tenths or something and won the first two races pretty, pretty comfortably, which was good. Um, but then last race is reverse grid, uh, not reverse grid, sorry, reverse top 10. So started from 10th and had an awesome start, made up six positions on the first lap and was sort of stuck in a bit of, oh, sorry, made up six positions. Then there was a bit of an incident in front, which spun someone right into my uh, path. So I pretty much almost had to come to a stop, which meant that I had to then, you know, take off again and, and try and catch up and managed to get back to, uh, third or fourth the two the three guys ahead were like battling hard like two and three wide everywhere like I was just thinking there is no way I could even get past this because they're taking up the whole track um and managed to put a move around the outside of the chicane the final chicane at Silverstone uh went deep went around the outside and then got back on the inside for the for the right hander and I thought oh geez I was really happy with that move it was really really pretty pleasing Went to go do it again a lap later, the same move, and completely outbroke myself and ended up uh, going off track. And in the process of trying to sort of rejoin in between the battle that was going on, clipped the guy uh, that was ahead of me and spun him, which uh, gave me a penalty. Um, but unfortunately, because someone further back in the field drove straight into him and blew his engine that penalty ended up being like a 90 second stop and hold, which I thought was pretty rough. I know Lachlan, I know Lachlan the uh, race control director, uh, tried to pop into the chat afterwards and say he felt bad about giving me a penalty because I'd said nice things about him on the podcast the week before. <laughs> but um, I was like, oh, that felt a bit rough. And afterwards when I realized it was because the guy's engine got blown, I was kind of like, oh, well, I guess I did technically cause it, but it was one of those things. It was like, oh, if the guy just slowed down for yellow flags and didn't completely kill this poor bloke, like that part wasn't my fault. <laughs> but yeah, so I ended up finishing like 23rd or something um, after that, obviously, massive penalty. Um, so I came second for the round, but the guy who I'm chasing in the championship, uh, I think, finished second, second, and first. So uh, that didn't help. And then this week we went to Spa for a 70 minute enduro, which was pretty cool as well. Um, only qualified pole by two tenths this week, um, which was nice. Um, it was nice and tight. Didn't have to get off the start line because there was a memorial lap uh, that was run uh, for the Fishy Motorsports guys, which was a nice touch, but it meant a rolling start after the manual safety car um, buggered off the track and got a really good start into a rouge and managed to get, you know, eight tenths sort of away from the, the guys behind uh, by the time we got um, to the end of the Camel Straight and then sort of just drove away um, managed to pit pretty late and come out in third after my pit stop, I think. So there was only a couple of cars ahead of me um, and sort of had fresh air and managed to win the race by about 15 seconds. So 
was pretty stoked at that. So I'm really enjoying driving the V8. Like the challenge of the car has been been really fun and something something different. Just I don't know, knowing it can kill you at any moment <laughs> uh, is is kind of cool. But yeah, learning learning that, and I've really enjoyed the way the series has been run and and driving with uh, Mitesy and and Wilco and um and Buzzer on a Sunday night. It's been nice. It's a uh, a bit of a shame I'm missing um watching the uh, top split broadcast of SNL, but I've been going back and trying to catch them when I've got spare moments. So yeah, I've been enjoying the V8s. Man, I've been missing you on the track as well. No more Skippy at all this season, mate. But uh, yeah, how do you, like you've been driving a bit more variety of, of things lately. Tell us about the V8 experience. Like what's that been like? And is it, a, is it quite the unwielding beast that sort of get the sense that it might be? It is, but once you sort of get the hang of it, like you can feel the limits pretty easily. Like it's it's not too difficult. I think having a good set of pedals is pretty important to drive that car. Um, you know, there's a lot of throttle control. There's, for instance, this week we're at Hockenheim Ring. You know, coming out of the hairpin at the end of the straight, like you just can't floor it. You floor it, you spin. Um, so you know that's that progressive throttle. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. It's Maybe it's because I'm driving it better than I thought I probably ever would. Um, you know, back when I first drove it, you know, I could barely get to halfway around um, a track without without spinning and I'd barely, you know, completed a lap in it, to be honest, before you go, ah, oh, this is too hard, I'll go back to driving or whatever, something else. Um, but, yeah, and maybe it's also because I'm doing okay, maybe I'm less frustrated. I'm in a in a league at the moment where my speed seems to be matching pretty closely up the front, like pretty clearly up the front. So I'm not having to battle people or, you know, really get too much pressure. So it is kind of just learning the car as I go. Maybe that's adding to it, but I- I've really enjoyed it. The one thing um, I do find interesting is how the tires work. Like you've got two laps of tires that are great. And then they drop off massively. Like if you're doing qualifying, if there's no point doing any lap after your second lap because the t- tire drop off's massive, you you just won't beat your lap unless your first two laps were absolutely rubbish. Um, and then it sort of plateaus for quite a long time. Um, and then there seems to be a further drop off later on. But once you sort of get into a rhythm and the fuel drops off, your lap times don't seem to change too much after the first two laps. Um, but they certainly do after those those first two. It's a really really big drop off. Yeah, interesting. Like I was saying to you before we we started, um, we noticed a really big difference in tire wear during the twelve hour. Uh, it's interesting to look at the tire model and how where how how and where it affects cars differently. Like AJ and and Scalzi, when they they'd come out of a double stint, the front right, which was where the wearing was big at Bathurst, I think you guys were having what sixty percent or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sixty three, sixty four. Yeah, whereas I was down in the low forties on the front right and and we sort of spoke about that as oh you know oh, we're struggling the tin tops maybe there's something to that and I we made the decision that in the in the the second double stint that I did we I take tires uh, both times um, because you know in some respects you're guaranteed to lose 30 seconds that way um, but you risk losing that and more because it was costing me a second lap in the second stint and taking more concentration to keep the car consistently on the track which is a factor too in a in a long stint around Bathurst so um 
there's, there's some stuff to really consider. And I'm not saying, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't want to comment on the realist, realism or what that's like compared to real life in different cars and all the rest of it, but it certainly adds to the considerations and, and, and how you approach driving different cars at different tracks. And that, that was the first time that I've really seen it. So, um, you know, obviously... Uh, something so obviously making a difference like something in your driving style compared to Scott's and I um, and and I've never really paid attention to it before but just the fact that we're all in the same car same session and then you know jumping out at the end of stints and going oh what on earth is going on here because I mean like I'd, I'd changed the setup um, you know in the lead up to it and you were saying oh the tie is really high and I was thinking oh I didn't think that the changes I made were, you know, that bad um, in terms of tire life. Uh, but yeah, it was really interesting. I've never considered it in our racing before. I, I, it's I've something I just thought, yep, okay, tire wear, tire wear, and maybe if I was doing more stock car racing where it's maybe a little bit more noticeable right up, and you know, it's right in front of you if you can go around the outside of a car because you've got good tire life, you know, towards the end of your stint. It's sort of more obvious, whereas perhaps it's not really been in um, you know our our minds in a, a road racing um, scenario um, but yeah really highlighted the difference that good time management can make in a in a race um, yeah yeah it was, that, it was yeah just a huge stark contrast to uh, to our two different driving styles it was immediately evident. Like I did half a, a fuel tank uh, on that that new set that we had, and straight away I said, "Your front right's an issue." Uh, whether it was, and we didn't know it was just for me at that point. Um, but I've I've immediately gone out and grabbed Motec and started looking at at, at you know how I balance my cars uh, going forward. And I always thought I was pretty gentle and and smooth on on stuff. I, I really put it down for me in, into Forest Elbow, uh, how I was attacking Forest Elbow. I changed that later in the race, and it seemed to help. But more so than that was taking tyres at each stint. Uh, but, yeah, very interesting to see whether that's realism or not, that how different approaches to driving can really have a major impact. Um, even among, And our times weren't that far apart. You know, there was half a second here or there um, over a stint and our average lap times were even closer over such a long period than certainly than I was expecting, uh, given that apparently there's so much difference in how we approach the quartering there. Very interesting. Was there a big difference in temperatures of the track when you were running? Like, could that have something to do with it or...? Oh, look, it, it progressed obviously from night time. So, uh, and I was doing um, the probably the warmest part of the day, but that would explain a little bit potentially between myself and Scalzi. But AJ and I were driving at around the same temps the the whole time, so it may have had some contribute. But it was, like I said, it was it was immediately apparent after the first half a tank I did on that setup that the front right was straight away a problem. Like it was it was for me anyway. It was. Um, it was way more wear than you would have expected. So, Yeah, there you go. Well, I guess we should get into some news then. We've got a little bit of news to get through tonight. Um, the news is brought to you by the Locked On Lads Discord. So jump on www.lockedonlads.com slash Discord. Jump in and have a look around. Uh, check out the Show Us Your Meat channel. Show us what you're cooking. Uh, you can jump in. I know lots of people are playing Wordles and Quirtles and Passwordles and all these other Wordle games at the moment in there. So feel free to chuck in your scores in there and 
uh, and have a laugh. But the first sort of agenda we've item we've got is uh, Tyler Bowen caught up with uh, Wilco earlier this week to have a chat about his solo 12-hour Bathurst run um, uh, in the Bathurst 12-hour where he raised some money for Beyond Blue. So uh, we'll let Wilco take this one away. And welcome to the podcast, Tyler. How are you tonight? Good, thanks, mate. How about yourself? I'm exhausted, but I'm here, and I'm here to talk about some really cool stuff that happened over the weekend with you, which gets me excited and gets me going. So let, let's let's have a, just a quick wrap-up of who you are. Who's Tyler Bowen? Uh, I'm pretty much just a 26-year-old, just casual wannabe racer that's, yeah, um, just pretty much on all racing for a bit of fun, good laughs with a few mates, and, and yeah, I'm just, yeah, not too much, that's, really. Yep, that's good enough. Yeah. What brought, how long have you been eye racing for? Uh, a couple of years now. Um, just on and off regularly, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, so you decided on the weekend to run the Bathurst 12-hour, a grueling event on its on your own. What spurred this on? Well, I've just been going through a bit of bit of change lifestyle-wise, and it wasn't just a spare-of-the-moment type of thing. Um, it was over a few weeks, actually. Um, I decided, I was talking to some mates and just decided I really want to do this race. I want to try and challenge myself doing it solo. Um, it, it, it was a bit of a rigorous routine to try and actually get into, into it. Um, at first my mates thought I was joking. Uh, and then I was just, yeah, yeah. That's cool. So I've got a couple of questions already jumping in my head. Uh, first of all, what did you do to prepare yourself for a twenty? Uh, sorry, twelve-hour race on your own. Well, firstly, it was pretty much just a deciding of what I want, what, what what goal I wanted to achieve with it all. Really, um, first I just wanted to finish the race, so that was my main idea. And then I gradually built up doing stint times. So one week ended at six hours at a time. The weekend before, I actually did it 12 hours, and then obviously the race the w- last weekend. Um, off the track, I've been personally working on my own fitness and cardio, so that, that probably helped um, immensely, actually. I didn't feel any cramping or anything like that, probably possibly more dehydration, but yeah, that's all really. How much food did you have by your side for the 12 hours prep ready to go? I only had a bunch of um, muesli bars, and that's about it. Um, I just took a bit of, just had a big breakfast. Um, that's pretty much it. Just water and probably one energy drink, and that that had me for the whole day. Yeah. So, which you were in the first time slot on Saturday morning, was it? Correct, the nine a.m. slot. Yeah, the Australian um, yeah. Asian Pacific slot. That's not too bad time slot. And what split did you end up in? Well, it was split three for memory. Um, oh, yeah, so it was was actually a pretty competitive split. Uh, didn't really qualify too well. I didn't really focus on qualifying the car. Um, yeah, it was just it was a pretty funny story in the race as well, which we might go into a bit later. But yeah, okay. So you've decided to do the twelve hour race on your own. You're prepped. You're ready to go. You wake up in the morning. You have a big breakfast. What are you What are you thinking at that stage? How are you feeling at that stage? Honestly, after the last few years, which I've tried or attempted, um, it's just nervous. Like you've been 
working at a goal for several weeks now and then you just it all comes down to this this one one race is 12 hours you think you're mentally prepared but you're not well i personally i wasn't i was just nervous i just wanted to get through the first stint and just go from there run my own race that was the goal yep so let, let's jump ahead how did you go well uh it's hard to say. got through the first first stint that was my main thing and then just eased up the pace as the track got brighter um i definitely didn't have the the fastest car in the straight it was quite funny um, near the end of the race, there was a damaged Porsche in front of me. Um, I didn't even hit anything, no damage, and I couldn't even get it past past oh, really? Conrod. It's just uh, I set up the car that it was just so stable that I would last yeah. for twelve hours. It was just yeah, yeah. That's a big part of it being stable, not having to to worry about it. Can I ask how that first morning session went when the sun started to rise and you came down over Skyline? Like, what were you thinking at that stage? Honestly, I was just thankful that I was still going. Um, yeah. I have to give credit to the people that are actually around me in the session. They were respectful, um, which is it's just amazing, especially in an official lobby where you don't know who you're racing. They had a good head on their shoulders. Um, it was just some good racing there, hard, fair, and fun, which is the main thing, So, which I'm, I'm pretty proud of. But it was just, yeah. And... How did you go for spotters and stuff like that? Did you have anyone in your ear the whole way through? Crew chief, and that was it. I, that was it. Wow. I per, yeah, I personally, I don't like anybody screaming in my ear. Yeah. Um, I possibly might have liked a spotter at the start, and that's pretty much it. I just yeah knuckled down, um, and crew chief pretty much covered me the whole race. Yeah. Now, obviously, officially, you didn't actually you got disqualified for only being a single driver at the end of the race. But what did you cross the line? What position? Let us know. P1. Oh, how uh, good is that? I'll tell you about it. <laughs> after that, I just, I, it, it, it was just overwhelming feeling. Like I didn't know what to express when I crossed the line and my arms were aching. Um, it, it was just, I just, just so exhausted. Um, I, I didn't know what to say. I'd, sort of after i yeah i was just so emotional i didn't know what to say um it was exactly at this moment now it's just it it was a surreal feeling of working at a goal for several years of getting it done and then it's finally done exactly and and done in the best way possible so you cross the finish line you win you did 339 laps is that right that's correct yes yeah what was what was the hardest lap or what was the hardest stint you had to do the first one yeah it, it's a toss between the first one and probably uh, around the 10 hour mark where my arms were <laughs> yeah. just feeling dead um i just wanted to sort of quit because i was just feeling immense pain in my arms um i mean the simia cubes big credit to them it feels amazing but after 10 hours of torture it just feels yeah pretty pretty nut or nasty yeah Wow, that would be a fair effort. Now, how far ahead of second place were you when you crossed the line? Uh, somehow two laps. I don't, I'm not sure how. Um, I double stented tyres pretty much the whole race, which yep. uh, thankfully with the cooler conditions in, in this year's race was yeah, pretty much a credit to that. 
Um, just kept con- clean and consistent laps and, yeah, went from there. So was there actually a scratch on the car at the end of the day? There wasn't. Oh, wow. Well done. Uh, it, was, it was sort of like a dream race. I, I, I don't know. Like, I can't remember half of it because it was just lap on lap, but it, it, it was sort of like a dream race. I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Uh, so did you do the jump? Did you have enough fuel to get up and do the jump at the end? Uh, unfortunately, I wanted to do it, but our racing disqualified me before I got around oh, to. No. I was at the Forest Elbow, and it, they just kicked me out. So it is what it is, but such is life. Yeah. Come on, I racing, fix that. Let people do the jump, even if they're disqualified. Come oh, on, that, that's for sure. It's just <laughs> yeah, would be that's nice, so but un- unfortunate. Now, this was all for a good cause as well. So you actually raised some money for Beyond Blue, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, we raised uh, $635 towards Beyond Blue, uh, which I, I can't thank everybody else enough to jumping on board for that. Um, I, I really do appreciate everybody just jumping on there. Um, it just it means means a lot. Like we've all been through at least something in our life, and especially the last two years, two three years that we've been through. Um, everybody's just been I don't know have been feeling negative feelings about something. So it's I felt that was a great cause to put um, some effort behind, and yeah, hundred percent well done on that. We we did the Bathurst of our last year as a team. Team of six, not team of one. And we've raised money for Beyond Blue as well. So it's definitely a cause close to our heart. So thank you very much for doing that. that now, can, can people still donate? Uh, they can donate. I I didn't set up a GoFundMe. It was just to pretty much direct to Beyond Blue themselves. Yep. Um, I just, instead of doing anything third party, you know, it's exactly going straight to them. So, yeah. Where, what's the, the league? Is it just under Tyler Brown on, on Beyond Blue? Tyler Bowen, uh, sorry? T- yeah, uh, it's just pretty much just donate. Um, uh, donate yourself and just it was just the same okay, yeah yeah okay. yep makes perfect sense yep no problems at all what car were you driving by the way uh porsche 911 gt3 car uh, which wasn't the obvious choice for a lot of people but um i just love the porker so much it was just uh yeah uh, look there's a lot of our team that are loving it as well and they can't yep. get enough of it so well done yeah um, thanks mate. look Congratulations for starters on A, winning the Bathurst 12-hour third split on your own. That's a humongous effort, let alone just finishing the race. 339 laps. We only got 300 done last year in a team, so well done on that as well. But especially well done on, on raising so much money. Is there anyone you'd like to thank? Um, there's, there's a few people that I'd like to thank, if you don't mind. Yep. Um, obviously, there's a group that I like, just a few mates that I hang out with. They're called Legacy Sim Sports. Um they're a good bunch of blokes that pretty much motivated me, kept me going, gave me good morale through it all. Um, and a few others called Jesse Butler, Sean Lenzel, Kenna Flatter, um, a few outliers in there, especially I just want to thank um, Daniel at 261 Designs, um, Guan at iLiveries, uh, and yeah, Jink Shifters, especially being there as well. Um, it's just it. I just can't thank them enough for what they've done. Yeah. No, well done. And thank you to those people indeed. Now, I want to send people your way if I can. I know we've only got a small audience, but I'd like to still send them your way. Where can people find you? Uh, mainly, I'm usually on my my imagery page, which is Vertex Imagery, um, which will be, I do screenshots for free. It's pretty much just my way of giving back to the community. Um, yeah, it's, that's that's probably my main way of contact. Yeah. Excellent. 
No, definitely yeah. go there and help out. And thank you again, Tyler. Thank you for spending some time with us tonight. Um, well, I can't wait to hear when next time you decide to go 24 hours on your own or something silly like that. But yeah, uh, let us know. Uh, will do, mate. I'll, I can't promise that anytime soon, but who knows? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, um, I'm still can't get over that what happened on the weekend so but i do appreciate you reaching out to me and and trying to get yeah some coverage about this i, I really do appreciate it yeah no problems at all mate thank you very much for your time we'll talk to you another time soon i'm sure thanks mate you too uh 12 hour i would say uh any chance of any of you two doing a solo 12 hour anytime soon <laughs> i i think i can speak for both of us we were always very happy to be getting out of the car after a double stint so doing 12 stints essentially back to back um is insane uh, what did we do we did probably four five maybe five stints for the day um four or five each and then sculpty did two or three and like my leg was killing me my braking leg was killing me after just that so yeah concentration yeah mm-hmm. concentration was the thing um and throwing the tire where we were talking about before for me that that made it even tougher but have you guys ever seen um, uh, Matt Malone do his Bathurst 12 hours on his own? He, sometimes he ran a, an alternate account called Matt Alone um, <laughs> and when he did it. And, you know, he knew that uh, obviously he gets disqualified at the end of it. But I, I watched a bit of it. It was actually quite enjoyable. I don't typically watch Matt uh, too much, but um, I enjoyed watching that sort of stuff. And it was funny. There was one time there he was in – he's won it twice actually doing that. And obviously there's a bit in no driver swaps and all the rest of it. But um, he won it twice. And the second time I think it was, the guy in front actually slowed down and let him pass to – like it was close, but he just let him pass to, to take the win. And he was stoked and all this because the guy – ends up winning the race because Matt gets disqualified, right? So there was nothing in it other than, you know, acknowledging a little doff of the hat to say, well done, champ, doing it on your own. So for someone like Tyler to do that on his own uh, as, as an effort towards raising some money for a good cause is, you know, it's a testament to his endurance and, and his ability to, to keep it on the track and, and, and do it for a worthy cause. Yeah, absolutely. I would be being peeled out of my sim rig Um if I even got close to attempting that after doing the uh, raw before the 24, like I was cooked. It was that two hours and 24 minutes solo. And, you know, I was just proud achievement of actually making it through that and surviving and being able to get out of the rig at the end. Um, yeah. I can't even imagine what 12 hours would be. It sounds uh, horrifically painful. Actually that, that just reminds me. And I remember doing like a Mon 24 and you're doing the nighttime stint at, sort of 2am or something and the person that's meant to come on at 4am forgets to get up and you end up in there just like when am I going to get out of this damn car just hour after hour I don't think they forgot I think they intentionally (laughs) (laughs) the other thing that we saw in the news this week was we got another teaser from iRacing about uh, the wet weather now I think from memory uh, Alex this was for me or you kind of like a horror photo, but for AJ, not so much. What did you guys think of seeing the two Formula Vs uh, driving down the Imola front straight with a spray gun hanging out the back? Oh, well, look, um, yeah, I, I'm nervous about it. Oh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, um, there's enough people giving each other verbal sprays to go with uh, what might come after uh, 
after realistic uh, wet weather sprays. But look, it's uh, it's an exciting prospect, another element, another step in the journey towards having the full, you know, virtual racing experience. Um, look, I- I'm sure it'll be more than a novelty. It'll be an actual thing that contributes to to that experience. And um, yes, there will be some more initial accidents and things as people adjust, and probably more accidents on on wet sessions than dry sessions. But again, people will adjust and accommodate and make um, you know changes to how they drive and approach stuff. And I don't know. I could just see I could just see rocking up, rolling the dice on your official race as to what weather turns up, and then an audible and collective sigh when they see it's a wet session, you know, turn up and others, others maybe. I mean, you think of some of the really successful wet weather drivers in something like F1 or, or whatever, uh, or in, in the VAT, you see there are some people that just stand out uh, and it shows a different kind of talent uh, underneath whatever talent they've got typically. So maybe there'll be some of that come through as well. It'll play to different people's strengths as well. Look, it's a it's a fascinating it'll be a fascinating introduction and a new element to consider. So as much as I'm, you know, nervous about it, there's a big part of me is looking forward to it as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I um I think it looks really good and I'm hoping that it means that it's close. Like I'd love it to drop in the next build. Um, you know, or one after it it, it looks very complete, but I don't know how they implement it, whether it's got to be a you know, track by track basis or something. Probably it seems to be the way iRacing works. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited. And, you know, it's going to be a completely different experience for us all. We'll get to try the, the Max Verstappen karting line and how's it going to interact with the rubbered up track, um, you know, all that dynamic track um, effects that iRacing that have built into the game. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. Something that, you know, people that don't get to experience a real-life race car are finally going to get to experience, and hopefully it's it's done um, done really well, and it looks looks like it will be. The other thing, the other thing actually um, that came to mind when I saw the photo was I hope that they allow us to do silly things like chuck nail cars on a wave in the rain or, or you know, do, do something a little bit crazy. <laughs> well, I was thinking too, will they have a dry line? Will, like will the weather be wet or dry or will it be variable? Will there be a dry line that develops if it is variable? And will that picture of the Formula Vs mean that the skip barbels will no longer be the beta testers of anything and everything they throw at iRacing? There was <laughs> two, mate, there was, it was nearly two years that we were beta testers for new tyre models and, and crash models and all that sort of stuff. That's great that they get to where they get to, but, gee, it honestly, it really had a big impact on the Skippy community. We lost a lot of old heads um, and a lot of uh, history that went with them uh, during that period. So, you know, uh, lighter moment though, maybe it'll be the Vs this time that get a look in. I'm pretty sure they confirmed that there will be things like the dry line and the car will, the lines will dry up as the race goes on and you'll sort of have to make a decision. Are you going to risk getting out on that wet stuff or you're going to come in for your dry tyres yet because there's enough, enough grip on the dry line and things like that. So that will be super interesting. I'm interested in two key things. The first one, Will my graphics card be blown to smithereens? And the second one is how sideways will Ben Snell be? Because I've seen him on a dry track and he's pretty sideways. I can only imagine what he could do on a wet track. I imagine he'll be absolutely cheering. And the other (laughs) thing is uh, when you consider about uh, performance impact, I mean, we can talk till we're blue in the face about the the engine, uh, the current engine. We know that they've bought other other engines and and IP to, to progress that potentially in the future which is great. 
Um, but, you know, to someone like me and, and AJ who are, uh, are wearing VR, do we see a wet session and say, well, I guess I'm out? You know, like mm-hmm. w- w- what does that mean for that as well? Uh, my hope is that they've done their homework on that um, and that, that that won't be the case. But, you know, time will tell. Yeah, you'd hope so in this day and age they would have, you know, figured that sort of stuff out or at least considered it <laughs> at, the, at the very least would be, would be your hope. Um, this week is Daytona week both real life and sim. I know Wilco and uh, Tim will be getting themselves organized for the Anscar Daytona 500. Not something I will be jumping in and having a go at. I can't remember how long a Daytona 500 is, but it's well over two or three hours from what I remember uh, seeing. Uh, Either of you keen to have a go driving around Daytona for four or five hours or whatever it is? I know that it's uh, not necessarily our style, AJ. No, no, uh, shaking my head, collective shaking heads between Alex's. Um, yeah, nothing, not to say that I wouldn't mind to have a go, but it's just nothing that I've ever, ever uh, built up the nerve to try. I, I feel like I'd have to get a few more overmiles under my belt before I um, attempted a Daytona 500. Yeah, have you done, same here. Have you done Sorry. much over racing at all, Alex? Um, which one? Um, no, nah, I've done a little bit. I've done a little bit, but uh, not an extensive amount. AJ and I ducked our, dipped our toes in the water with the trucks and Anne's car. Enjoyable, but uh, probably uh, required more commitment to, to see that through and, and do anything with it. And it's probably a good message to send on the back of that, that um, there's more to it than just turning up and turning left. So it was a real um, eye opener, wasn't it? Just um, mm. how much there is to it. It's not just turning left. Like you can give a, give them a, a bit of a hard time um, mm. that it's just turning left and and putting your foot down. But there's a lot to it. Yeah, I made the mistake of um, uh, gaming. You know how some people game the system to get their their license up, and you can just do whatever and not get. My eye rating is terrible. The ovals, right? But it's my, I got a B class license, I think. There, what that immediately does, you can't race the rookies anymore, um, <laughs> yeah. which for me was a big deal because that was that was enjoyable. So as part of me thinks, oh, I might just tank it a bit and go race the rookies again because that that's that's a fun distraction and, and a nice bit of variety that doesn't carry the baggage of that um, gear fear or whatever that comes with having I rating that you care about so much. You don't go out to destroy other races and whatever, but it's just more relaxed if that makes sense. I um I won't be participating in the Daytona 500 either. I did jump in and do a couple of Anscar races last uh last season. Just the one oval one was on the Charlotte Roval, and same thing. I actually really enjoyed it. It was a different kind of challenge. Again, like you were kind of talking about with the Bathurst 12 hour, requires a lot of concentration and a lot of um patience and discipline to not you know one little move up the track. You know five, 10 centimetres could be the difference between, you know, getting around the track safely and you wiping out three quarters of the field. Um, so it, it was certainly a different beast. And then the tyre wear and the fuel strategy and, um, you know, going in when a safety guard comes in or not going out when a safety car is in, old tyres versus new tyres, there's so much more to it that I just never thought of. So it is interesting. I've tried to watch a couple of NASCAR races when they've been on replay on Fox and stuff like that. I find it really hard to, I just, I think I'm just too confused about what's actually going on in the race. I find it really hard to know who's in a good position and, 
and you know those kind of things and it's obviously due to my lack of experience in the in watching the racing and doing the racing um but you know it might be interesting to tune in on the weekend and, and have a look and see sort of what it's like now that i've done an oval race and things like that maybe i'll enjoy it a little bit more so it would be yeah. interesting Another one, another special event that I, I'm going to sound like a Matt Malone fan here or a groupie, but <laughs> I remember watching him doing that in the wee hours um, one night uh, and he had a spotter, uh, Checkers, I think is his name online, and they had a, a good rapport. And it was, again, it was quite entertaining watching that con- that style of event them going through. So there's obviously something in it for folks. Um, and, you know, if that's your thing, get out there and enjoy it. Absolutely. Uh, what else have we got? Well, we've got the first Locked On Lads TV broadcast coming to uh, Twitch tonight, which is for the Ansgar Thunder. Wilco and uh, Carl Withy at the moment look like they're just wrapping it up with some interviews and everything seems to have run pretty smoothly, so that's good. So make sure you check that out. Um, it looks like they're going to persist with the season for the Ansgar Thunder. Um, so make sure you head over to Locked On Lads TV and give that a bit of a watch. Um I really love the uh, the artwork that's been d- done up by Tim uh, Corn, which is looking really great. So we've got uh, Wilco's face and Carl Wuthy's face on there at the moment. We've got their webcams on. So if anyone wants to go have a look at that, uh, make sure you check out the, the post um, or the VOD, I suppose, uh, later on and see who won that race. But well done to those boys for getting that up and make sure you head over and get involved with some chat and, uh, and viewing that. Uh, Alex, you know how hard it is to, to broadcast and get things organized uh, for a broadcast night. Anything uh, Wilco should be looking out for? Yeah, he should be trying to get about another six arms to <laughs> click all the buttons and, and maybe an, a, a, an extra pair of eyes or three. Um, there's so much to consider when you're doing that, the the commentary and the broadcasting and the directing and the production and all that sort of stuff uh, all live. Um, if you're a bit like me and, and you want to fill up your attention and, and you've got a scatterbrain anyway, uh, it's actually quite enjoyable to a degree. Um, you can shut everything out and just focus on all the stuff that's going on. But, yeah, you're right, it looks good. Nice to see, uh, I mean, obviously I'll see Wilco when we do these, but uh, nice to see um, Carl up there and, and put a face to the voice, that those stellar uh, voice that he has that I, I enjoy listening to. Um and, yeah, I hope it goes really, really well. Um, they're doing a good thing there in, in uh, bringing a little bit more to the community there, and that's that's always something to be commended. Yeah, so feel free to jump over and give the boys some support on a Wednesday night. Um, I'm sure they're looking for some sponsors or something if you're uh, inclined in that in that field as well. So feel free to hit up Wilco, jump in the Discord, and I'm sure there'll be plenty more information about those broadcasts going up soon. The next thing that kicks off this week as well is the first round of Scops. It feels like not that long ago we were finishing the Scops season and um, we feel like we've talked a fair bit about Scops with some of the controversies and things that have been going on throughout the year. But finally, we actually get to talk about some racing and I believe the boys head to Circuit Gillies Villeneuve to start off the start off the year um a circuit i really enjoy racing in the skippy that's for sure i haven't really driven much else there but i, I find the skippy races really really well there uh are you guys looking forward to the scop season kicking off yeah I'm, I'm interested yeah interested to see how it goes um racing the the support series myself so i'm looking forward to being a part of that um and and you know racing alongside the scops and then having the 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 big boys out in scops to then i'll be able to sit back and and watch after um 
my own racing probably gone terribly, but uh, interesting track to, to start with a tight Montreal circuit. It's, it is a street circuit. So, um, you know, usually someone chucks it in the wall and, and like any street circuit, you end up with a track blockage, which is a big risk. And um, all the other things that come with Montreal, like the, the, the lap one slowdowns, you know, who's going to grab that at turn one and then kill their race. Um, because I, I know I certainly have done that. And it's basically, if you get a slowdown on the first lap at, in, around Montreal, it's like a 20, 20 spot penalty pretty much. Um, it's very, very harsh around there. Um, and then the other controversy, I guess, is the, the new track limits around Montreal. And I, you know, I remember we used to run over the curbs at the chicane, basically, um, you know, you're putting half your car over the curbing and that doesn't seem to be uh, possible anymore with the track limits. So, you know, there's a bit of to and fro um, as to how that's going to play out. So it'll be interesting to see, but at the end of the day, you know, it's the same for everybody. So um, we'll just have to see how they go driving driving to the new rules and, and how it plays out in the race. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the decision-making process behind the scenes was about bringing in the more strict incident limit. Um, obviously, there's been things that have happened in previous Scott seasons that have brought about that, whether it's people maybe being liberal with the track limits or, um, you know, a tightening up the racing and just sort of, you know, it's never a good look. I, I still remember the first V8 Supercar E-Series and watching the racing at Spa and all of a sudden the last five or six laps, there's people going through Blushamon and they're, you know, 35 car widths out on the right-hand side because there's no slowdown, but you can take the off track and carry so much more speed through there. So whether it's maybe a, a look thing to make the racing look better, but it would be interesting to know exactly uh, what the decision-making process is behind that. Alex, what are your thoughts on, on, on the track limits? Is it more of a, well, it's everyone's in the same boat, so... Tighten yourself up and, and figure it out and move on. Yeah, there's a bit to that. Uh, I'm always good with stuff where it's the same for everyone. Um, there are adjustments uh, in learning a new car. The adjustment it, it makes it's like a, a tweak to the track that you've got to adjust to. I mean, things got loosened at uh, Spa, for example, uh, universally, and everyone's like, "Oh, great!" But you can't just you know you can't just cheer it when it works for you. Uh, when it tightens up a bit, you've got to tighten up your game as well. And that that that'll happen for the guys that put the time and the work in, and uh, it, it's a measure of skill at the end of the day. But I I had two questions. Uh, AJ, other than ditching me in the TCRs, is there anything you're not racing at the moment? <laughs> Seriously, like you're in everything, every broadcast I've ever seen. Uh, anyway, at least the top split racing team's getting some airtime, which is good. And my other question was, um, did anyone know, did James end up making the top series or is he is he still in the in the – is he even running the series, James Chastanov? Yeah, Chastity's definitely running Scops again. Uh, Pre-qualifying starts tomorrow night for first round. So Scops is pre-qualifying round by round. So um, I'm not sure where he'll sit sit this season. It looked like this field was pretty stacked when I was looking at some of those hero cards that Jay was popping up in the uh, Discord there. So actually, speaking of which, I'm pretty sure I counted 25 Synergy Sim Racing cars out of the probably 50 cars that had been put up. So Synergy Sim Racing is certainly uh, having a fair crack at Scops this series season. If someone in the Synergy team doesn't get inside the top 10, we've got some serious problems because if you've got 25 cars in the field, you'd probably want to have a fair crack. Um, 
But yeah, so I'm not sure where Chastity will sit. I guess we'll find out a little bit more tomorrow night when when they uh, head to the track for for pre quali. Um, hopefully, he can get some top split appearances. I know he had a couple top split appearances last year. One was was it Oran Park or something where he won the the split two race, which got him entry into the top split race, which meant for like a big three or four hour night for him, which was pretty rough. And then I think one of the one of the series where maybe there was a few less entries, he might have snuck into top split as well. So hopefully he has a good season. He's got the big locked on I racing podcast banner on the side of his Vanter Alliance car, which looks nice. What what car AJ are you driving for the supports? Are you driving in the the V eight supports or in the um, TCR supports? Uh, V eight TCRs in the Porsches. Oh, okay, I'm just doing everything. Okay, <laughs> like I said, he's racing everything, everything except with me on a Monday night. <laughs> Bit of everything. Like I said last week, it was, uh, you know, being in lockdown and bored and just signing up to a heap of stuff and then getting back and realizing that you've got to have a bit of time to live and race. And it's uh, it all gets a bit difficult sometimes. But um, no, look, concentrating on the paints, as long as the car looks good standing still, um, then it doesn't really matter too much where we finish. It's uh, just, just for a bit of fun and, and um, interesting to see how we go. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's something I think eventually i would like to to have a go out i'm enjoying the v8 supercar series in the srw i don't think i'll ever get anywhere near the the top split um stuff but i think it would be cool to to at least sort of know where you sit in in the community i suppose in a sense like am i way outside the second split can i crack into the second split and have a good race here or there it is something that maybe one day i'll i'll consider um i know the big long races is something that that turns me off of, of them and you know the big endurance races and individual endurance races and things like that just because i know that's something i struggle with um and even i mean, i guess i've proved i can do it by doing the the, the raw before the 24 but it's a it's a big mental battle just to to jump in and, and commit to something so big and there's you know so much that can go wrong but it is something i'd like to consider one day um i guess defending champion was Madison? Was it? Did he end up going t- taking the title last year? It's been uh, been a while. I can't remember now. I'll have to check that. I'll fact that check fact check that, and we'll we'll come back to it another time. The last thing on the news list is something I found, um, which isn't eye racing, but I thought it was really interesting. Um, Gran Turismo held an event recently, um, which I saw on a Super GT video. I'm sure there's some others that um, happen to do it as well, but just happened to see his video where they basically set up a machine learning AI called Sophie um, to basically learn how to race. And obviously it gets better and better as it races, as it um, picks up um, new bits of information, it teaches itself new lines and new overtaking maneuvers and things like that. And they raced it against uh, former Gran Turismo world champions um, for a bit of an event to sort of show off their the machine learning AI. And it was really interesting to see. Um, It was, the AI was sort of a lot more realistic than you would say. Well, I say more realistic. It was doing some things humans just wouldn't do, but it was also doing some things that AI don't normally do. So when you sit down and you do any kind of AI race in, in most racing games, the AI is very one dimensional. It follows its same line. You can push it off the track by just, you know, nudging it in the side and, you know, it's very obvious what's going to happen, but this AI was much more dynamic than that. It was, you know, fainting to go inside, but then realizing you're going to cover it. So sweeping back out to the outside, it was taking some really crazy lines using literally all of the track, including the grass as well, um, to, to make 
make corners more open and get a lot of speed. And it ended up winning the battle between the GT champion drivers. So I think they had a few different levels of the Sophie AI um, and basically four of them and then four uh, former world champions from Gran Turismo. And they basically, the, the higher they finished, the more points. And they did three separate races. And overall, I think that the AI ended up doubling the amount of points that the, the real world drivers, um, well, real online real world drivers um, got. So I'm not sure if either of you have managed to catch any of it or, or, or seen anything, but what are your thoughts on like a true machine learning AI um, and maybe one day having seen something like that in, in um, iRacing? AJ, what do you think about that? Yeah, I had a quick look at some of the videos and, um, you know, seeing the, the AI making mistakes, hitting the wall here and there. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how, how exactly it, it should work because in theory, like it's the thing will be unbeatable after a, a very quick period, wouldn't it? Um, mm-hmm. And and there's nothing that a human should or could do to beat it. Uh, you know, eventually the, the machine's not going to ever make a mistake. So um, yeah, interesting to see. Um, yeah, it, 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 more realistic AI is is only a good thing. And then you know if they can have the different levels. Um, you know, put a, a few percent of random error in there and, you know, make it a little bit more human, then um, it'll be pretty cool. Because as you say, like, you know, racing Gran Turismo, it's always the, right, shove it up the inside and use the AI as a, um, <laughs> you know, a, a bit of a, um, a bit like of a, cushion a, a, yeah, a around, wall or a cushion, corner, exactly. Really, yeah. You know, that that was that was a staple of GT racing uh, in, in my youth anyway, so... Um, that looked really cool to see him racing um, hard and fast against really fast real-life drivers. I think it would be cool to, yeah, like you said, I think it's cool to find sort of that limit of this is how good it can be and then now let's dial it back to a point where it's actually usable. You know, you still want it doing those, let let me go to the inside, but actually go to the outside and give drivers something to think about, um, but also not, like you said, be get to the point where it's unbeatable. But I think to get to that point where you can have it making those kind of decisions and that you kind of need to find the, the limit and then sort of dial it back from there. Um, I reckon that's about it for the news. So we can head into the final bit of tonight, which is the local iRacing community results. And I've done enough talking tonight. So maybe we can throw to you, Mr. McKellar, and you can give us a rundown about all the happenings from Sunday Night Lights from the last week. Yeah, mate, can do. Although I'm just going to pause for a moment. Benny Simonson, big uh, Skippy, big in the Skippy community, real life race, just gone live on Twitch. And I, I just want to encourage everyone out there, like he's he's a 9K iRater, uh, real world um, 24-hour spa winner in a Ferrari, holds a lap record in a, in a Ferrari around Bathurst, has the driving line on at most tracks at, on iRacing. Just saying, just putting it out there. <laughs> Anyway, there, there you go, AJ. That'll be fine for you for Nurburgring then. You know, exactly. exactly. I am validated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You don't have to worry about it. Um, so yeah, look, big night again for us uh, this week. Uh, we we're at Hungaro Ring. Bit nervous about who's going to turn up because it's a you know it can be a bit of a polarizing track. Very difficult to pass. The, it's enjoyable. A bit like how I see Nords. Enjoyable to drive. Not not always great to race, but. Hungaring's uh, got some really good character about it too, I think, in the skips. Um, but having said that, 
they turned up in bulk again. We had a 20-car field, four splits, four five splits. I can't remember. Top split was, again, our third 55,000-plus uh, strength of field in a row this season. Started off a bit quiet. Round six now, we've had three on the, three on the trot, uh, which is great. And a 20-car field, it's really tough to crack 5K, and the skip's just saying so. Um, you know, fantastic support from the community. Um, when it came to qualifying, it was, I said it in the commentary, it was it was almost back to the status quo. Nagai, son, Naya Nagai, the leading Japanese driver, inspiration to many in the Japanese community. And a lot of people have commented that um, around the influx of Japanese drivers into, into Skippy Racing and into Sunday Night Lights in particular, he's really at the, at the forefront of that. And he chucked it on pole by two-tenths. Uh, which in a 5K soft uh, is pretty pretty impressive. So uh, we saw Adam Miles, uh, the UK driver, make uh, an appearance again. He stuck it on the front row, which was great. Takumi Yamato has been spending a lot of time in F3s this season. He's, he was back for another tilt and once again showing the strength in Japanese one-lap pace, uh, putting on the second row in third with Nathan Wade uh, rounding out a... And sort of uh, give me a bit of a, a premonition to the uh, the Japan v UK and I Club battle uh, that sort of was was looming at least anyway. Perez, who was the um, uh, leader, the championship leader going in uh, to the to the race, uh, rounded out the top five. The ANZ drivers in the field. The Cowboy Sam Devante was back. Bit of a short, bit short of a run after doing the Bathurst twelve hour and putting in the work for that. He started in ninth. Uh, then we saw Vasco, who was back. He started in 16th, uh, struggling a bit in quality this week. And, of course, Russell Clark the third, uh, the team Milo boss man, snuck in as car number 19 this week after missing out last week. Uh, the 20-car field helping him. Uh, he started in 17th. So the race took off. Uh, again, there was a, a pretty solid battle up front, but... It was interesting. The main protagonists in the season this year uh, that we're sort of looking towards are Nagai and uh, Perez. Interestingly, uh, Perez uh, forced uh, Nagai to take a, a compromised line into the kink at turn four, which is very difficult to do at the best of times. It takes a lot of commitment. Uh, fourth gear, full blaze through there. Uh, lap one, Colt tires. He decided to make it too wide. It didn't end well. Um, Nagai uh, clipped him and uh, he was off to the outside and uh, Nagai unfortunately spun it, put it right in the centre of the track uh, for the oncoming tra traffic who, quite frankly, everyone avoided him really well. Unfortunately, though, Perez went on to have an accident at the at the following corner as well and he was out Dunsky. So that sort of fizzled out into nothing. But uh, what we did see was predominantly a race in three up front as, as a result between Wade, uh, Nathan Wade, the UK and I driver, Adam Miles, that we mentioned before, the UK and I driver, and Giuseppe Tellini, who for the most part was kind of hanging on on the back. Uh, and those three raced, uh, went off to the races to decide the podium positions. However, there was this really intense battle. Uh, it was about probably eight cars deep. Uh, it included the likes of Ofrey, Matsushinsky, uh, Akira Nakajima, who's a, another strong Japanese driver who's really putting in the yards. Uh, in the skips at the moment, Nagai trying to fight his way back. And, of course, uh, Russell Clark moving up through the field. Um, Yamato was the one uh, who had the incident from memory with uh, Christian Perez, and he was trying to fight back as well. And Roger Hooker played a big part in that. But also 
uh, and like I said, it was a really big pack. We had Darren Churn in there from Aussie Car uh, having a crack as well. And I forgot to mention Neil Gardner. Uh, he was another ANZ driver in there who had qualified in 15th. Um, anyway, towards the end of the race, the front three was were sort of thinned down to two and you really had the two UK and I drivers, uh, Wade and, and Miles, battling it out for the win. Uh, Nathan Wade ended up coming up out on top just ahead of Miles and Giuseppe Tolini had trailed off to about 1.6 seconds behind in the end. Unfortunately, Julian O'Frea, not for the first time, our returning series champion, had a moment into turn five and collected Roger Hooker in... in Look, it was really a clumsy thing. We saw a couple of clumsy things on the night, and that was one of them. Julian's got a bit of this in him in recent times, and he's very apologetic, and it's it's not part of his character and how he races. It's just I remember there was a race at Laguna Seca. He just tried an over-under but really neglected to observe that, that Christian Perez was still inside him. Oh, no, it was Benny Simonson. That's what was still inside him. Just collected him, took him out. And he was just like, I don't know what I've just done, but it's, you know, he was very apologetic again. Anyway, Julian did sort of pause for a moment to see if, if Hooker was going to um, sort of be able to continue, but then, you know, he wasn't. So he, he, he just pressed on. He ended up finishing in fourth and Matsushinsky out of the midst of that who started in 20th, if you don't mind, finished in fifth in a 5K soft, which is a pretty dramatic, uh, pretty pretty cool effort, actually. Uh, the ANZ drive, well, I should just say Nakajima and Nagai uh, were the leading Japanese drivers who finished in sixth and seventh. Russell Clark was the leading ANZ driver in eighth, uh, which left uh, the other ANZ drivers in Darren Tune. Neil Gardner in 11th and 12th respectively, just ahead of Sam Devantia, just outside of the points in 13th. He got caught up in one of the incidents, unfortunately, and Vasco Sorovsky having a pretty terrible run of luck in the last two weeks all the way down in 18th. If we quickly look at the uh, second split, the aforementioned John Skoltz, part of team top split racing for the Bathurst 12-hour. He was cheering at taking out the second split. And I just wanted to point out for everyone who uh, mentions John in uh, in the broadcast and stuff, it's Skoltz. With, it's almost like a K. Everyone calls him Schultz. And I asked him though, it is a, it is a Skoltzy. So uh, just pointing that one out. He finished ahead of uh, Hikaru Sasaki, the Japanese driver, and Joachim Osbeck, who's big in the forums at the moment. Joachim, he seems to post every second or third thread. Um, the ANZ drivers in the field were uh, Brody Cook, who's uh, finished in eighth. Good to see young Brody getting a good run and a good result. Peter Hedgeco in 11th. Nathan Verney. Mr. Locked On in the skips at the moment. He's finished in 12th and in the SNL points, just ahead of Paul Wilson and Justin Watt. Uh, Phil Philip Hambly has finished in 15th. And the last ANZ driver at the back was Team Milo's own Luke Witten. There's a name you don't hear very often anymore. Luke's a fantastic bloke. And he's also the only ANZ driver to ever win a round uh, of the now defunct 2K Cup, which was absolutely the premier and the standard set in, in uh, Skippy Racing. Uh, only an NZ driver to win that one of those. So he's back in action, which was great to see. Have to dive into the third split to see regulars Ken Himes, who grabbed a podium in third. Mark Jeffo Jeffrey, he's down in seventh to grab some points. Uh, and then one of our stalwarts, in fact, the stalwart of uh, Sunday Night Lights, Jason Wilman, he's... Uh, He's down in 17th there. 
Ducking over to the championship standings, uh, we have Christian Perez, who, whilst he scored zero points this week, and it'll be a drop round for him, he remains on top of the table, just ahead of Julian O'Frey. And jumping up two positions into the podium, final podium position is one Russell Clark, the third Esquire, uh, leading ANZ driver at the same time. Amazing stuff. Uh, other ANZ drivers uh, in the series, standings in the top 20 at the moment, Neil Gardner jumps up to sixth position. Mitchell Nichols drops out of the podium positions down to seventh. Sam Devante is similarly down four positions into eighth. Vasco Sorovsky drops another couple. He's in 11th. Nathan Verney stays in 12th. Mark Jeffrey just behind him in 13th. Ken Hyams, for the first time this season, jumps into the top 20 in 14th. Darren Tune in 15th. And uh, Corey Lane drops, after not turning up this week, drops a further five positions down to 19th. That's about it for us. We're at uh, Nurburg, uh, a modified GP layout this week. But before I finish, I wanted to give a big shout-out to Adam Miles. Not only did he finish second in the uh, biggest race of the week this week, he has added a tremendous uh, a contribution to the community. Each week he posts a weekly wrap on the, the iRacing forums. Look, can I tell you, I cannot imagine how much time he puts into that. There's so much interesting detail and facts and, and figures about who's won what by what, the fastest qualifying time, the closest results, all this sort of stuff. Really worth your time to go and have a read if you want. And thank you to Adam for that contribution to the community. It's, uh, it's really enjoyable each week. But that might do us. Uh, make sure you come and check us out on track or um, for the broadcast, 9.15 Australian Eastern, Daylight Time, GMT Plus 11, top split, top split TV on Twitch or just join the official race. The uh, Skippies stay in Germany for the next two weeks, if I'm not mistaken, right? We go Nürburgring, GP, and then to the Nordschleife. Is that right? Yeah, same precinct even. So uh, I, uh, uh, we've got the the Nordschleife for Aussie Car this week, and then I'm just as I said to you before, mate. I, I just cannot imagine the sort of lap guide we're going to have to try and put together to Nordschleife for the officials the week after. Uh, Christian Perez, mate, we got our work cut out for us. That's for sure. You might have to start preparing that one three weeks ago. <laughs> well, that's what I said to him. Start sending me stuff, will you? I've got to get on with this thing. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I was just checking while we're on the topic of skippies. I know you mentioned earlier, you said, Oh, you know, you were missing you in the skippies as well. I'd actually just had a look. I haven't driven a skippy this year, <laughs> so I will, yeah, have, right. I will have to jump back in at some point and uh, and have a race. I'll probably be awful now, but uh, we'll see how we go. I'm sure you'll be fine, mate. Look, can I tell you, the we be, we did the Bathurst 12 hour and then uh, I quickly jumped in an LMP2 car because we were, you know, thinking about building <laughs> on the momentum and doing some other endurance races. And then I really think that helped me uh, attack Nordschleifer in the skips the other day. I felt like everything was just in slow motion <laughs> yeah. and it was able to sort of do things a lot better. So maybe there's something in that for you, mate. I love that LMP2 car. There's That's a, another story for another day. I think that's probably, if not the most fun car on there, it'd be very, very close. It's a, a great car to drive. It's a bloody beast when I hopped on there the other night for some practice at Imola. Jeepers. Yeah, it's very, very quick. Going and well, let's... Uh... Sorry, go ahead. I couldn't hear you there, mate, for a sec. Oh, that's all right. We will continue on with the skippies and let's have a look at what the happenings were from Aussie Car from last week. So, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Aussie Car went to Twin Ring Motegi, the uh, the GP layout, and 
it was um, some good racing. I did manage to catch a, a bit of the broadcast in between doing some work. And uh, the racing between you guys up front was awesome, as usual. Uh, Cameron Dance took pole in, in the first race, uh, took it away from Vasco Sorovsky, who managed to put himself on the front row, which was really good to see. Still finding his feet in the series, I'd say, for Vasco. It's um, a little bit different than official racing, so I'm sure he's going to get there in the end. And uh, yourself, Alex McKellar, managed to, to take out the top three. But it was you, Alex, that managed to come through and move up two spots to take the win in race one from Cameron Dance, John Skoltz, Russell Clark and Brody Cook rounding out the top five. That's a lot of green up the front and then not much black and pink anymore, which is a bit of a shame. Hashtag green wall. <laughs> yeah. Cameron Dance is fighting the good fight <laughs> up, up there at the moment. Uh, Darren Tune, Neil Gardner, Timothy Harris, Jeremy Bush, and Vasco Sorovsky rounded out your top 10. Uh, how do you see Vasco going at the moment? Obviously a big player in the SNL fields and has had some really good results, but seems to be still finding his feet in the, in the Aussie car scene. Yeah, really interesting. A lot of time for Vasco. He's a good bloke, good head on his shoulders and uh, and races in a good spirit. Um, I can't explain he, he, uh, why he hasn't. So I was expecting him to hit the ground running in, in Aussie car. Whether it's not, it's just, you know, part of learning that the the, the pattern of speech in that conversation in the pack or, or what. The pit stops, I think, uh, are an element that uh, that is pretty either new to him or he hasn't adjusted to. I mean, who am I to talk, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I couldn't explain it. You know, he, he shows some good pace at Motegi, um, but maybe just... You know, the fact that we're all so familiar with racing each other and uh, the odd mistake here or there that w we'll get punished because um, uh, there's there's probably, you know, at least half a dozen guys up the front there who will potentially not make a mistake or if one of them makes a mistake, four of them aren't, the other four aren't going to make a mistake. And if you make that one little mistake that we talk about getting out of your game each week, um you know, that'll, that'll cost you. I couldn't put my finger on one thing, mate, other than maybe the pit stops um, and, and an odd mistake here or there. But uh, I, I look forward to seeing uh, him continue on and really uh, become a big part of the front pack there. Yeah, I, I really hope that he continues on in the next next couple of seasons because I, I, that's the one thing I was really f looking forward to as a spectator for this season, not not racing myself, seeing how someone new came into that front group and, and mixed things up. It was kind of, I suppose, a little bit like when Chasty and I were able to be up there a, a bit together. It really made the dynamic change a little bit um, up front and uh, I was looking forward to seeing Vasco do that. So I hope he sticks around and, um, and persists with it because it, it is good racing. Uh, the big movers in race one, there wasn't too many, to be honest. The field kind of stayed quite the same. Obviously, yourself moving up two spots and Brody Cook up three spots to go from uh, eighth to fifth. But apart from that, it was um, it was pretty pretty tight and, um, and pretty status quo. Race two, obviously, saw you start from pole, um, which <laughs> the, the, I guess we'll just stop there. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it there for, for what happened in race two. Um, but the race win went uh, to Cameron Dance from Russell Clark and John Skoltz, uh, again, getting himself on the podium. Uh, Brody Cook, Tim Harris, Jeremy Bush, Sean Doyle, Vasco Sorovsky, Nathan Verney, and Neil Gardner round out your top 10 for race two. There were some big movers. Leon up six spots um, and Sean Doyle up four spots as well as Ashley Knowles up four spots as well. Uh, and John Scott's managed to actually get the fastest lap in both races. So well done to him. 
if we jump over and have a look at the championship, as you said earlier, Alex, very, very tight at the top with just one point separating yourself and Skultzy uh, heading into the final round at the Nordschleife. Uh, and then a further nine points back to Cameron Dance in third spot. So a little bit of a buffer of 10, 10, position, uh, 10 points there. Darren Toon, Russell Clark, Sean Doyle, Neil Gardner, Timothy Harris, Ben Snell and Nathan Verney round out your top 10. Brody Cook has a stranglehold on the road to 2K, barring uh, him giving himself a DNF. He should hope uh, take out that championship, 30 points clear of Craig Kerman, who was a further, ooh, quick maths, 26 points uh, clear of Leon Williams in third position. And up front in the team's championships, it's a bit of a strange one, uh, Alex. We haven't seen a non-top split, non-locked-on championship winner in quite a while up the top of the team's championship. But we've got Van Diemen Racing team, uh, I'm guessing the dog's Milo, right? (laughs) I can never remember. Uh, And then Van Diemen Racing team Otis or team Cat. Uh, in second place from Locked On iRacing Podcast in third spot, White Knuckle Racing, Top Split Racing in fifth, Locked On Black Sheep Racing uh, sixth, Two Clowns Racing seventh, Airways Aviation, ORT, Aussie Car Racing Team, and Mr. Apex Racing round out your top 10 in the Teams Championship. It will be a bit of a different Teams Championship winner by the looks of it this season, so I guess that's good for the series. We can't yeah, hug them all. Milo domination this season, uh, it looks like, but... Look, I wanted to give a big shout-out to a couple of people this season. Darren Toon, who has showed good pace throughout, um, perhaps a bit like Vasco, struggled to find his feet at the initial stages, but always had the pace. Um, he's sitting currently sitting fourth in the championship overall. Double points for an enduro. Look, there's a sneaky chance he gets on the podium at least um, this week. Uh, but look, I, I, he he and I raced together uh, this week. Just gone at Motagi, sat behind me when I stayed out trying to do the overcut, and he, he copped the. He did exactly what I did, you know, <laughs> and got the the slow uh, the the speedy on pit exit. I don't know how we both managed to do it, but we did. Um, the other person I want to give a shout out to is the new Milo Junior member, Brody Cook, who. Uh, is having his crack and, and his moment in the sun uh, while he's still below 2K, uh, if he is, to take out the road to 2K uh, if he if he gets it right this week. Not only is he doing that, but he's he's he was pretty hard on himself early on, expected to be quicker, um, but is, is sort of starting to come to grasps, uh, uh, grasps with it now. Well, he's starting to get a hang of it, let's put it that way. Um, and he had really good pace at Hungaro Ring. Um, and he's translated that into, what was it, a top five finish this week at, uh, at Motegi uh, in the second race. Uh, yeah, he finished uh, fifth in the first race and fourth in the second. So, um, you know, that's a really good effort from a, from a guy who's really new to iRacing. So I just wanted to give a shout-out to those two. Yeah, it's. Um, I remember when Brody came into the series, was last season his first one? It might have been the one before. Can't remember. Either way. And um, <laughs> watching Ben Snell's stream, and I can't remember if it was in an Aussie car race or maybe a practice or something, or it might have been watching in the officials before a Sunday Night Lights. And um, he had one of the all-time dummy spits, and it was absolutely hilarious to watch. <laughs> and it was it was uh, it was really funny because you don't get much from Ben saying, you know, oh, come on, thumb it up. It was just Ben absolutely pissing himself laughing at it. So <laughs> it was it was good value. So it is good to see Brody's overcome 
that frustration and is starting to put in some really good results. Because you could see he was going to be fast from the moment he jumped on track. But um, like I think we all went through, I know I certainly did, you sort of get that speed and then all of a sudden all the mistakes start creeping in because you're not really quite sure how to maintain that pace throughout the race. And you like we always say, it's one thing to do a hot lap, but it's a very different thing to string a race together. So it's really good to see him doing that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to the Global Sim Racing League. And we've got a pre-recorded segment for this one today from Aiden Schultz. So let's throw it over to Aiden um, and hear what he has to say about the Global Sim Racing League. Hello, everyone. Aiden Schultz here from Global iRacing League. Just giving you your weekly wrap-up of what has unfolded here on the Global iRacing League. So we'll start off on Monday night, just gone. It was round number four of the IndyCar series, a series that has had a lot of interest since its inception. We were only four rounds in, as I just mentioned, but we had, or we went rather, to Barber Motorsports Park for 50 laps. Um, we had 34 entries rock up last Monday night for that, and... Uh, Went into Quali and Colby Coham come away with the pole position in that race with Michael Skurlock having his first venture into the IndyCar for the Global iRacing Leagues, setting down a good lap time there, putting it in P number two with Lachlan Capel starting off the third position. So for what would be a pretty interesting 50 laps around Barber Motorsports Park, 34 cars uh, trying to make their way around. There is no live race control in the IndyCar series, so everything is on iRacing, only local yellows. But as the race unfolded, it ended up being Lachlan Capel who came away with the win in round number four. Dimitri Agathos would end up coming home in second position with Dave Oliver coming home in third position. Fourth position was Sam Katakuzanos with a great drive. He loves driving the IndyCar, so good job by Sam Katakuzanos to come home in P4. And Michael Skurlock, after starting out of P2, would hold on to come home in P5. number five. A big notable mention to Sean McNamara from 9.5 SimSports. First time he jumped into the IndyCar and Global iRacing Leagues and uh, he qualified in the fifth position. He was in the top three in the first couple of laps. Unfortunately, he got caught up in an instant and had to uh, go back and use just the one fast repair, which is available for the IndyCars and uh, he ended up finishing a lap down in the team. So, a uh, big notable mention there for Sean McNamara, his teammate also of um, Mitch Campbell, getting a nice solid top 10 position in that one as well. But really proud of the guys and all the drivers involved in the IndyCar series here for the Global iRacing Leagues, averaging about 36 drivers a round. The championship points as we head into round number five this Monday, uh, coming Monday, which is probably tonight as you listen to this podcast, I'd suggest... Um, is Colby Coham sits there in first place with 123 points. Fitzroy Beaumont, after leading the championship after the first couple of rounds, sits in second place currently with 117 points. And Dave Oliver rounds out your top three at the moment with 116 points. So round number five, we will head to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course configuration. As I said, that's Monday night. If you do want to be a part of the... Global iRacing Leagues IndyCar Series. Just jump on to Global iRacing Leagues on the um, on iRacing and send across 
a league application will get you involved in that one. Of course, you can find us on Discord. Uh, if you need that, you can go onto my Discord uh, or send us a, uh, a message and um, we will send you the Discord link to be a part of that one as well, of course. Um, also, you will be able to follow us on Facebook. We're just setting up a new page now as the other one had a few issues. So um, we can do that as well. So if you are in the Global iRacing Leagues, just a quick reminder that you can race anything that we do put on at the moment. We just put on a Monday night IndyCar League and Friday night Supercar League. Uh, we will be starting on Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night, so the night after round five of the IndyCar series. We'll start our NASCAR League, which will be a 36-round series, so we look forward to that one. But that brings us straight across to Friday night. So Friday night, we had round number five of the Inside Lane Productions Supercars series. So big shout out to Inside Lane Productions and Kobe Jordan for jumping on board with the sponsorship of this series. What they are actually providing for the top three place getters in this series is first we'll get a button box, second we'll get a sequential shifter and third place we'll get a voucher to Inside Lane Productions to spend as they see fit. But to uh, the race itself, we went to Detroit Bell Isle, another concrete canyon, where we'd see the guys try and navigate their way around 35 laps and we do have live race control in this series of course it's all broadcast live on LR Esports you can catch all the action there follow them on Facebook YouTube and give them a like give them a follow make sure you don't miss any of the action of the Inside Lane Productions Global iRacing League Supercar Series on a Friday night so we went into qualifying and it has been a story of one man this season and that man is Corey Shepard he's got every pole for the first five rounds every fastest lap and won every race so he's taken away every available pole uh, every available point rather here for the series so Corey Shepard would put it on pole position Brian Borg his teammate premier racing team in second place and Thomas Freeman would start out of the third position as we went into the 35 lap race we started early uh, there was a caution early rather and we had to deploy the safety car after the first lap but that would be the only safety car intervention of the night so nice good driving by all the drivers there i'll give myself a little bit of a shout out in this one i was up inside the top 10 now very surprisingly after what's been a really struggling season for me so far in the supercars as i haven't driven them a lot but um ended up uh getting a zero or zero extra the race and ended up uh getting a meatball for some reason so interesting how high racing works but it was, again, the story of the season so far. The winner was Corey Shepard taking away all possible points for round number five. Brian Borg would come home in second place. It would be Andrew Dyson with his first venture into the Global iRacing Leagues through the Inside Lane Productions Supercar Series, who would bring home the DPR Simrigs.com entry in the third position. Thomas Freeman would come home in fourth, and Rehan Leonage, the young fella, would come home in fifth position for round number five. Championship standings as we move into round number six this coming Friday night. The location will be Hungaro Ring for another 35 laps. Corey Shepard leads the way at the top of the championship standings at the moment with 1,600 points. Thomas Freeman in second place with 1,200 points. And Rehan Leonage there in third place with 1,134 points. So it is a supercars uh, point system, a little bit different um, to the other 
series that we do run. But like I said, two guys, uh, we've got on Tuesday night the NASCAR League starting up as well. That will be in the old Gen 6 car, not the next gen. There's uh, Obviously, we're great friends with the guys at ANSCAR and Weekend Warriors, the Australian Stock Car Championship, and they're running the next gen, and I'm just allowing them to uh, sort of feel that out and see how that goes, and we're going to supply it. Uh, our league just in the Gen 6 for the first season so we look forward to that one once again if you want to be a part of any of that just jump across and send us a league invite we've got some big news coming up in the next week I'll probably uh, drop that on the podcast next week when I give you the wrap up for what will be round 5 of the IndyCar series and round 6 of the Inside Lane Productions supercar series uh the announcement will be in relation to the next supercars series so there's only five weeks away before we crown the champion of season number one it will be a very very big season season number two doing a lot of things differently um live race control all broadcast on lr esports and uh, i'll just keep a little bit of the stuff under my hat at the moment but it's going to be one of the biggest best and most progressive supercar series out there in iRacing at the moment. I know there's a lot of them, they all do a great job, but we just love everyone getting across here and supporting the Global iRacing League. So from myself and everyone involved, we do thank everyone. But that's a wrap for Global iRacing Leagues for this week on the podcast. Thanks to the Locked On guys for allowing me to be able to do this and put this out on their platform. And I hope you enjoy everything they do. Of course, I'll give them a shout out. Uh, if, if you're watching it and you haven't liked and followed them, uh, jump on and like and follow them because they bring you all the content on the iRacing platform. So guys, that is a wrap for Global iRacing Leagues for this week. But uh, look forward to giving you all the results next week for, like I said, will be round number five of the IndyCar series, round number six of the Supercar series by Inside Lane Productions. And of course, we'll have your results for what will be round number one of the Global iRacing Leagues and NASCAR series. So guys, uh, enjoy the rest of the podcast and we'll be back next week. Thanks for that, Aiden. It's really good to see what's going on over in the Global Sim Racing scene and we're looking forward to hearing much more from you guys over there uh, bringing us some results each week. So thank you for that. Uh, Aussie Car, we're going to go back to there. The TCR's headed to the Red Bull ring. Uh, AJ, do you want to run through the results for the TCRs? Yeah, let's have a look at the results. So uh, we'll start with the Pro-Ams, and it was uh, Brody Shepard who took away the win in the first race, up one spot uh, from Liam Banks, who chucked it on pole. Uh, Jake Burgess finished in third place from Joshua Barry and Jeremy Bush rounding out the five. Uh, Tom Hunt, uh, David Leslie, John Halloran, Will Chen and Farron Hancock's rounded out the top 10 for the first race. Um, race two saw John Halloran moving up the field uh, to take out the second race, uh, up two spots. Uh, a great run back through the field by Brody Shepard, up eight spots um, to take second place from Max Donnelly in uh, P3. Uh, so really interesting battle there for, for those two, uh, Shepard and Donnelly, very close in the standings, but Brody... Uh, you know, giving it a really good crack um, to try and uh, bridge that gap to Max in the championship. Uh, but we had Tom Hunt, and he came home in fourth. Uh, David Leslie, fifth. Nathan Verney uh, in sixth place. Jake Burgess in seventh. Joshua Barry in eighth. Baron Hancock's in ninth. And Craig Kermond in tenth position. Um, but yeah, Max Donnelly up 11 spots, so the big mover in that second race. Um, and just looking at the championship, 
for the pro ams and it is really tight there's only uh my math is 11 points between uh max and brody and not too much further back to jeremy bush and, and josh barry as well so a nice tight pack for the uh those top four there and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for the remainder of the season still three more rounds to go so plenty to play for there um the pros uh so race one we had uh taken out by locked on's own timothy harris uh moving up two spots there to take the win can i just um, jump in, can i just jump in on that one so Tim was sitting in third place coming into the final turn and the two cars ahead of him were having a, a pretty mega battle on the last lap and managed to uh, uh, collect each other going into the final turn and spun off and the seas parted and Tim just drove himself through for his first Aussie car win. So big shout out to Tim. It was um, a really good drive and he was on track for a, a possible win last week. Um, but unfortunately did what Alex did and, and gave himself a bit of a self-inflicted pit lane penalty um, and obviously put him way back. So uh, really good to see him get cracking through for his first Aussie car win. Yeah, and, and a great uh, haul of points there for Tim as well because that's put him right on the uh, the tail of Daniel Yeaman um, hunting down first place in the championship. So, uh, you know, maybe the breakthrough win will, will you know, snowball, lead on to a few other things, build the confidence. Um, but yeah, so uh, Tim getting his first win. Reese Gardner uh, bought it home in second place from Mitch Dean rounding out the podium. Uh, Nick Wood coming home in fourth. Daniel Yeaman, championship leader in fifth position. Uh, Jordan Ross in sixth. Tim Cornt in seventh. Marty Turner eighth. Matthew Brunt in ninth. And Nathan Norman in tenth. And if we went to 11th, it would have been Alex McKellar, but just missed out. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was hunting down pole, as as we like to say in the top split Discord. I was pole hunting. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's the uh, the position you really don't want to be in, is it? Uh, that I really can I tell you, I was in twelfth on the last lap, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, I'm sweet, I'm I'm okay here. And then I saw a dead car on the outside of the final corner. <laughs> I thought, oh, thank goodness I wasn't in eleventh. I could not have imagined being a pole in one of those things. <laughs> Uh, well, taking us to uh, race two, we had championship leader Daniel Yeaman taking the win from Timothy Harris, uh, keeping that battle nice and tight. Um, Matthew Brunt took the last step on the podium. Uh, Martin Turner finished fourth. Mitch Dean fifth. Ashley Norman coming home in sixth. Reese Gardner uh, seventh place. Brady Baldwin in eighth. Braden Martin making the top ten in ninth. And Nick Wood rounded out the top ten. Uh, guys, you both were in the TCRs uh, on the Monday night. How did you find the racing um, around the Red Bull ring? Not great for me. I drove around by myself <laughs> for the majority of the night. I can't actually believe I got ninth. I didn't even realise I finished inside the top 10 in that second race because I thought I was miles off of it. So that's actually a nice little surprise. <laughs> yeah, I really, I think uh, it's the first time I think the for me I found the car really well suited to the circuit. I enjoyed the racing there, such as it was for me. Even though I was, you know, I felt quite out of it. I wasn't racing so much as I was lapping and trying to do what I could. Um, I, I thought it was the the track was well suited to it. Uh, the thing the, the thing about Red Bull is it flows so well 
except for where it doesn't. Those the, the, turn one, you know, I'm okay with turn one. You can really hit it hard in 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 a higher gear than you would think, and really treat it as a momentum corner as long as you're not raced side by side with someone. And then you get that choke point at turn two, and it's just a real rhythm breaker, and it's where everything can go right and everything can go wrong. It's a really interesting character or feature of the track the rest of it really just flows so well so um yeah interesting and it was you know it was the first time i felt that um had a bit of a nice flow in that car as well i like what yeah. you said about the it flows really well until it doesn't i think i might bring up at the end before we sign off the little thing that was posted in the aussie car discord today because that was hilarious and it just reminded me of that but i'll leave that to the end <laughs> yeah no, look, it's going to be interesting uh, fight to the end, especially in the pros, because you look at the championship uh, standings in there and you've got Daniel Gaiman, uh, 384, to Tim Harris, 380, Mitch Dean, 375, uh, yourself, Braden on 370, and uh, Nathan Norman rounding out the five on 369. So there's nothing between it in the top five and like fifth down to, what is that, ninth place, there's 10 points in it. So there's um, plenty still to play for uh, in the champ- both championships. So, yeah, good, and good mate, I've, only, I've only got to rise one more spot to get 14th for the season, which would just be <laughs> poetic, right? That'd be it. Um, the team's championships is uh, looking a little bit different as well. I know, I'm not sure if you're on the right uh, page, so I'll just jump in and steal it from you. Uh, so the team's championship, because it's over both splits, is Locked On Lads in first from Locked On Black Sheep Racing in second, Chicken Up Racing in third, and Locked On Racing in fourth. So we've got three of the top four spots, so need to hopefully get that last team. I'm not sure if that's my team. It <laughs> must be one of the other boys uh, up into the top three and see if we can round out the, the top three, which would be cool. High Octane Simsport in fifth, Drop Bear Motorsport sixth, Pool Guys Motorsport Orange seventh, Top Split Racing. You're still up there in eighth, Alex, even though you're doing it all by yourself. Synergy Sim Racing in ninth and New Zealand Sim Racing rounding out the top 10 in the team's championship. All right. Well, I think that's just about it. I reckon that's all of the results, but you did remind me of this thing that Skultzy posted in the Discord today. So I reckon it's a, a, an apt way to finish uh, with a lot of Nürburgring uh, Nordschleife happenings in the next couple of weeks and how you said it kind of flows until it doesn't. So this was a, a, a detailed track guide, so to speak, from, from Rob Adams that um, has been dug up by Skultzy about uh, learning the Nordschleife. So I'm going to have a quick read through it and you can you can let me know your thoughts uh, afterwards. So it says here, after the start line, you, you wiggle a few times before a long straight. The only quarter that matters is the one before the long straight, though. If you try to go fast on the others, at least you haven't wasted too much time and you can start again from the pits. The next section is a long and flat out, except where it isn't. The places where it isn't will kill you. Then you go downhill for a while. The downhill is easy and fast, except for the part where it isn't. The place where it isn't isn't easy and fast, and it will kill you. Eventually, you cross a bridge. After that bridge, you go flat out for a long time, except for the one place where you don't, and that place will kill you. It's also dark and scary, and I think there's monsters that live there. After a long flat run, out, uh, flat out run, you get to a carousel. If you get it right, it's the best thing ever. You'll never get it right. The rest of the track is a mystery. You go up, you go down. Corners will come up when you least expect them. If you go too fast, they will kill you. If you go too slow, you'll feel like a coward. I think some of the corners move around between laps. 
eventually the track straightens out. If you get if you got the entry to the straight right, you'll be happy. Otherwise, you have a minute or so to realize that your lap time is going to suck and you just wasted eight minutes. <laughs> I think that's probably the best track guide I've ever, ever, ever had. And hopefully that's some inspiration for you, uh, AJ, before you jump on the Nordschleife uh, in the next couple of days. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's round it up for tonight. Uh, Alex, what do you got happening this week and, and where can people find you? Yep. So obviously uh, there seems to be broadcast tomorrow for the final round of the Aussie cars at that great track, the Nord's Life of the Green Hell, Green Hell that we were just describing so actively, aptly or Rob Adams did so many, oh, it's a few years ago now. Um but uh, so that'll be on tomorrow night. Then uh, Sunday night lights, of course, uh, as I mentioned before, on Top Split TV on Twitch. Uh, Sunday night Australian Eastern Daylight Time, nine fifteen PM. Just hop in the in the uh, in, in the official race. Sign up for the skips there, or uh, if not, join us in the live broadcast uh, on Top Split TV. Check out the race replay if you're not around at that time or you're asleep because you're in the US. Um, uh, on the Top Split. YouTube channels where all the race replays for this and every other of the 25 and a half uh, seasons of Sunday and Monday night lights. Otherwise, yeah, um, maybe do a track guide, maybe do some laps in the officials and skips next week uh, and, you know, toying with the idea of doing another enduro at some point. So looking forward to a bit of racing. Lovely stuff. AJ, what do you got planned for the rest of this week? Yes, uh, well, we'll be throwing the skip around Nords, um, so we'll see how that goes. And then Friday and Saturday is a a, a double header, so to speak, but with uh, the three different classes I'm running for the the supports. So uh, again, that'll all be on sim speed. So just look for the um, the nice green car uh, moving slowly around the track. And then uh, Monday night. We do have the TCR, so I'll try and get back and, and give some support to my teammate for that one. Um, and then Tuesday night is the – actually, no, not Tuesday night. We um, we have the week off with the AOG, so that's every fortnight. So I get a break, finally. Love that. Uh, if you want to find out about uh, us or the rest of us, you can check out LockedOnLads.com. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to do Wilco shout-outs for, for uh, the Locked On stuff this week. So Locked On Lads on Twitch – Locked on lads YT on YouTube. Uh, you can jump on the Facebook page or join the Discord as well. www.lockedonlads.com forward slash Discord. Uh, you can find me over at twitch.tv slash the one D Wade. Um, I haven't been very active on there, but I will try and get a stream up at some point. Uh, and same with on YouTube, the one D Wade. If you want to hear me talking about anything else, you can find me on Twitter at Braden Talks. Cricket's a little bit quiet at the moment, just the uh, the T20. I haven't been watching much Winter Olympics, uh, but the basketball's always on. So uh, there's definitely some things to chat about over there. But apart from that, we made it through our first show without the uh, locked-on overlord himself, Peter Wil- Wilco Wilkinson. So hopefully it wasn't too bad and you don't miss him too much. And I hope, I'm sure he will be back next week. So I guess that's... Uh, In the great words of Alex McKellar, ciao for now.